Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. Today is the second quarter 2023 Von Nelson International Small Cap Recap Call. And with me today are portfolio managers, Marco Priani and Kevin Ross. And with that, Marco, Kevin, turn things over to you. Thank you very much, Dan. Kevin, what can you highlight in terms though, of the international small cap uh, market uh, during the second quarter of 2023? Overall, it was a mildly positive quarter for our universe as represented by the EFIS small cap index within a context of intra-quarter volatility. When measured in USD, the asset class advanced by 53 basis points, but in local currency, the progress was 3%. So the USD strength detracted from USD-denominated performance this quarter. We believe this currency-driven detraction is likely to be short-lived as the inflation trajectory remains quite different for the U.S. compared to other geographies, particularly Europe, where it seems more entrenched and outcomes exceeded expectations consistently over the quarter. From a sector performance perspective, we had wide dispersion and remarkably a lack of a clear narrative. The best performing sector was utilities, and the second best was financials, which is to some extent an unusual pairing, given their disparate sensitivity to interest rates. It is also curious that another bond proxy sector, that being real estate, underperformed utilities by almost 800 basis points during the quarter. Real estate was the second worst performing sector after energy. More than an interest rate-driven outcome, what we likely experienced during the quarter was a positive reaction from the financial sector to the calming of first quarter's concerns on the one side and a positive reaction from the utilities related to lower energy costs on the other. Geographically, the most remarkable occurrence was the weakness of Hong Kong, which was down almost 7% during the quarter for our benchmark. The apparent reason for this was the economic weakness evident in China during the quarter, with not only the critical residential sector failing to stem its decline, but also the reopening narrative facing some tough data that showed it slowing down materially. Italy and Spain performed well, and Japan was in positive territory as well. During the quarter, the Von Nelson International Small Cap Fund decreased by 76 basis points compared to the MSCI EFA Small Cap Benchmark's increase of 58 basis points. The best performing countries were the Netherlands, Sweden, and Austria. This was offset by our performance in Japan, the UK, and India. Our portfolio continues to maintain sizable overweights to IT and industrials, while being underweight to materials, real estate, and consumer discretionary. Marco, you were meeting portfolio and prospective companies throughout Europe during the month of June, and that led to several changes in the portfolio. Any highlights that you can mention in relation to your trip? Which countries did you visit for the purpose of meeting companies, and what were your findings? Thank you, Kevin. I visited during June companies in Sweden, Germany, and Switzerland, but was based in Milan. So I also visited a couple of those in Italian companies. As you know, Kevin, the Italian market has certain peculiarities. However, one thing that it has in common with many of the European markets we invest in is that there are, on average, significantly more interesting and higher quality businesses in the small mid-cap space than in the large-cap segment of the Italian market. Additionally, they tend to be, on average, very earnings resilient. These features uh, lead the Italian small and mid-cap segment to be more highly rated than the large-cap segment, 
and also more highly rated than several other European small and mid-cap markets. This is a testimony of the quality and attractiveness of these businesses. One particularity within the Italian market that both large and small and mid-cap segments share is that most companies have a strong controlling shareholder, in many cases a family, for which the company itself is a very strong part of their family identity, with all the positive elements and risks that this implies from a governance perspective. It is typically observed that the only truly public company listed in Italy is Prismian, the leading global cable and wire manufacturer. The German Mittelstand, the small and mid-cap companies that are the backbone of German industrial might, also have very notable family influence, but it is stronger in the case of Italy. In Germany, the dual board system allows the controlling family to dominate or to exercise its authority mostly in the supervisory board, while professional oversight typically exists at the management board level. In Italy, the family members are very frequently active at the management level. Although this influence should raise red flags and should be part of any corporate governance, due diligence analysis, the reality is that most of the Italian small and mid-cap companies have created substantial value for minority shareholders over time, and many of these family members, uh, family-owned companies are truly global leaders in their fields. Another particularity of the Italian small and mid-cap market is that the companies tend to be very internationally minded, with their domestic sales counting for a clear minority of total sales in most cases. Linked to this, Italian small and mid-caps tend to be acquisitive, some of them using equity as currency. In this case, and to prevent loss of control, we see that the controlling shareholders benefit from the double voting provisions that exist in Italy for long-term shareholders. And in some cases, they register the holding company in the Netherlands, where you can have, for instance, 10 votes for specific classes of shares. All of these characteristics determine that the Italian small and mid-cap market have uh, decoupled to a large extent from the performance of the Italian economy as a whole. The component annual growth rate of the Italian economy over the last 10 years is close to zero, while the 10-year compounded annual return of the Italian small and mid-cap companies measured in euros as of December 31, 2022 is almost 10%. In terms of the outcomes of the meetings, we discovered very attractive businesses, added some of those to the portfolio, and have watchlisted others in case prices, prices change or other events occur, uh, making them attractive to enter the portfolio. Uh, in addition to, to reading my reports and analysis on the European meetings, we have you have many um, 
other companies that visited Chicago during the months of May and June um, from Europe, Asia, Latin America? Is there a, a narrative that you can thread from all of the management interactions? Among the companies that the team met with, we could say that the non-cyclical businesses continue to chug along with the constraints of supply chain issues that were prevalent last year, mostly in the rearview mirror. Although working capital levels remain elevated and in most cases are not likely to return to pre-pandemic levels. For the more economically sensitive companies, there is an expectation of things becoming worse in the second half of the year. Although apart from specific subsectors, areas like chemicals, residential construction, for example, that is not yet clearly visible. The fact that many companies entered the year with higher than average order books driven by supply chain constraints, along with this uh, additional supply chain effect that this creates, makes the transmission of monetary policies slower and more difficult. Therefore, some of the expected weakness driven by higher rates has been to some extent postponed into the future. Linked to the previous point, we can envision a scenario in which China exits last year's tightening stance. The U.S. likely stops it sooner rather than later in the second half of the year. Continental Europe and the U.K. still have to dominate the inflation beast. The U.K. is slightly behind the curve in this respect, and Japan will may soon see some weak form of monetary tightening. In spite of this risk of economic deceleration, we see significant appetite for the types of companies we consider attractive in terms of CapEx and M&A. In most cases, they are near peak CapEx and very proactively looking for inorganic acquisitions. That is to say, there is no structural pes pessimism by any means. Another aspect that we see as positive for, for the portfolio and the asset class is a return of the M&A market for small and mid-sized companies. Although levels of interest rates and debt availability continue for the time being, this has elevated the animal spirits, and which has returned for both strategic and more importantly for private equity. And there are several examples of this that we've seen over the last few months. This is usually very positive for our markets and for our portfolios specifically. What can you comment on our portfolio decision-making and positioning for the upcoming quarter and rest of the year, Marco? As always, Kevin, is a balancing act. On the one side, uh, you have the fear that we have not seen the worst of the economic activity decline since, as you mentioned, different geographies are at various stages in terms of their tightening efforts. On the other side, it is quite important for the markets globally that the Fed, to some extent, telegraphs in the relatively near future that its interest rate raises are likely to stop. To this, we can add that China um, uh, has some upside risk in terms of potential stimulus, uh, given that it really needs to reignite uh, the economic dynamism of uh, uh, its uh, internal market. Additionally, the interest rates differentials might mean additional weakness in the U.S. dollar, something that drives, of course, appetite for non-U.S. investments. As a consequence of this, the portfolio is positioned in a more constructive way than was the case during the previous quarter, having added some cat bees, cat bee names uh, or cyclically sensitive names that trade at a very important discount to its intrinsic value. We will update our listeners next quarter.
Well, Marco and Kevin, thank you very much. And with that, we will move to returns. In the second quarter of 2023, the Von Nelson International Small Cap returned negative 1.04% gross, negative 1.28% net versus the MSCI EFA Small Cap Index at 0.58%, which brings the year-to-date total to 2.9% gross, 2.39% net, and the MSCI EFA Small Cap Index at 5.53%. The one-year number for the Von Nelson International Small Cap is 4.66 gross, 3.63 net, and that is versus the MSCI EFA Small Cap at 5.53%. Excuse me, at 10.18%. The three-year number uh, for the Von Nelson International Small Cap gross is 5.01%, 3.98% net, and versus the MSCI EFA Small Cap at 5.7%. The five-year number is 1.27% gross, 0.17 net versus the MSCI EFA small cap at 1.3%. And finally, the sense inception number is 4.65% gross, 3.41% net, and that is against 4.5% for the MSCI EFA small cap index. So um, Kevin and Marco, thank you so much for the insight, and we will see you again next quarter. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services, and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws. Securities discussed within this podcast may be held in the Von Nelson Strategies.